0: Welcome to the Command Post Podcast, powered by First FirstDue. I'm your host, Tom Lewis, First due's Enterprise Training Manager. I am very pleased today to welcome Chief, now Commissioner, Charles McGarvey to the podcast. Just this month, March 2022, Charles McGarvey Sr. was appointed by Governor Wolf to be the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania's Fire Commissioner. Prior to this appointment, Commissioner McGarvey served as the Chief Fire Officer and Fire Marshal for Lower Marion Township. He began his career as a volunteer firefighter with the Bryn Mawr Fire Company in 1978, and during his 26-year tenure, he rose through the ranks to become chief. Chas holds a Master of Science degree in Public Safety from St. Joseph's University and a Bachelor of Science degree, magna cum laude, in Management from Rosemont College. Chas was also recognized for his community service and awarded an honorary doctoral degree in May of 2016 from Rosemont College. Commissioner McGarvey is a graduate of the National Fire Academy Executive Fire Officer program and holds a certification of Chief Fire Officer from the Commission on Professional Credentialing at the Center for Public Safety Excellence. He is also a United States Marine Corps veteran and served honorably at the US embassies in Warsaw, Poland and Helsinki, Finland. Commissioner McGarvey enjoys spending time with his two children, Izzy and Jack, and watching them play sports. In addition, when he has free time, he enjoys refereeing, lacrosse, and biking. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Chief Charles McGarvey, thank you so much for joining us on the Command Post podcast today. Uh, we'll have a conversation at the end, but some congratulations are in order, but we'll we'll save that to the end of our conversation today. So yeah. thanks for taking time.
1: Sure thing. Sounds good, Tom.
0: All right. So uh, you, you experienced something last year that... Um, not only once, but twice that, you know, no chief wants to ever have to deal with, you know, very painful, difficult um, experience for any organization. And there's a lot of challenges that go with it. You, You had not one, but two line of duty deaths in the Lower Marion, Pennsylvania Fire Department in the month of July last year. And so I know this isn't easy to talk about, but I'm glad that you're able to come on and share this story. Um, for other departments, other chief officers, other firefighters that would even encounter just one in their career, and so maybe maybe start off by sharing with us a little background about the first one that took place on on July Fourth, Chief.
1: Okay, Tom, sure, and uh, I'm glad I could be on here to share this experience with you. Um, so we we uh, had came in as a house fire the evening of July Fourth. Um, and when we got there, you know, smoke showing and, and that stuff. And then um, by the time I got there, the command had already been set up by the district chief and, and uh, you know, the, the firefighters inside fighting a the fire. they were having a hard time finding it because of the knee walls that were in the attic there. And, and it was like an attic bedroom kind of thing. So they're having a real hard time finding it. And um, we had fire burning up the outside of the, the uh, building in the rear went up and got into the roof and then into the attic. Okay. And it appears right now, you know, it was caused uh, by fireworks. Uh, Fireworks were were being used uh, out in front of the house. And uh, the block was brought back and put next to some trash cans. That's what started the fire. Uh, And it went up the rear of the the, uh, house and then into the attic. Um, Sean... The monk was uh, the firefighter lost his life that that evening, and um, he arrived on the on the second engine, laid the line and stuff, and went in. That went in to uh, take over the, the line because the first uh, first crew was coming out, so he was on part of the second crew going in, and uh, got up there uh, with um, you know a couple other people, and then we're not quite sure what happened up there but something happened and and, um you know i don't know if it flashed i don't know if it just got so hot that they had to get out and they they made a hasty you know escape and uh to the 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 way it was you went up the steps and you made it right into this bedroom And as he was coming out there was a little like four foot door directly in front of him Um, and instead of making the left come down the steps We believe he went into that room and got disoriented. Uh, He did call for a mayday. Okay. You know, and, um, I was, I I guess I wasn't even there 10 minutes when this happened. I was, I just finished doing my 360 um, to see what was going on, get a little understanding of what was burning and that kind of stuff. And just got out front talking to the district chief when, um, when we got the mayday and, uh, I took command then and, um. I had Ted do take, take care of the operations. I took care of the May Day, uh, moved everybody off the channel.
0: Okay. Right.
1: Sent our RIP team in. They were just getting on actually getting on location when it came in. So they're they put into uh, action right away. Um, there were some other firefighters that were already in there. Uh, as we pulled them out, a couple of them stayed because they, they heard where he was and heard he the pass device uh, grabbed them. And then I handed them off to the RIP team on the second floor and then brought them out. Uh, Sean was, he was alive when, he, when they got him out. He was breathing uh, and passed away about an hour later over at the uh, trauma center at Mackinac Hospital.
0: Um, Did thermal burns. Oh, burns. Okay. Do the, do, the, do the burns. Okay. Um. Before we, you know, get into some of the the lessons and, and and learn from it and and kind of the aftermath. Tell you know to to celebrate his life. Tell the tell us a little bit about Sean. Um, was he the Canadian? Was he the?
1: Yeah. So Sean Sean was Canadian. Um, uh, played minor league hockey, um, so he's in good shape. And he he uh, actually worked for the Windsor Spitfires before he uh, came down here to the states um, with his wife. To uh,
0: right. To-
1: down at the university of Pennsylvania hospital. She was on a, a, a research visa. He didn't have a work visa. So, uh, he, he came in to Penn Wind, volunteered there. And, uh, it was like having a full-time career guy there he was there every day. Um, the guy, you know, he went to all the schools you could go to, um, was really, really into, into firefighting. And, uh, his plan was to go back and become a firefighter in, in uh, Toronto. Um, and was actually supposed to leave that very next morning to go back home for good. The uh, house was packed up and they were just going to load, load things in the truck the next morning uh, when all this took place. So right. It shows, you, it shows you his dedication to the fire service and that he, he didn't need to come to that fire um, and, and he still took it upon himself to help out his neighbors. But that was that but but he, he was a really great guy always pulling around you know <laughs> um the, the, the staff over there loved him um and yeah, you know, when all this happened it really took a toll on, on the firefighters over there
0: sure but, and you know we'll, we'll get into that momentarily but it sounds so you know you read i'm trying to just, i remember reading a little bit of the aftermath and he was getting ready to go back to canada and he, and, and you know you you you're you just said just is really a testament to to who he was, and that he's here. His wife's working. He's volunteering, passionate for the fire service. Like you said, you had a full time guy without a full time guy, and your and your department's a combination department, right? So, yes, you yes. know this this you know they're not a full time uh, full career department there in Low, in Lower Merion, like many departments in Pennsylvania, and so you know you read about the the NIOSH reports on line of duty deaths, and it sounds like you tackled some of the most common things that you see in those reports. You had 360 done. You had good communications in place. You had a RIT team in place. You moved it off the channel, the the operations channel, the incident channel to a separate radio channel. A lot of things I remember back on the job they taught us to do, right? And it's been a while for me, but um, just the things that you mentioned, so much did go right. um, And you had a lot of procedures and policies in place. And so knowing that it's not one of those tragic ones where no 360 was done, no command was taken, the things that you read about. What, as you look back on it and as you've studied what took place, what are some of the, the lessons you and the and the crew and the team at Lower Marion have discovered in your um, post-incident analysis of what took place?
1: So um, we did have the communications, however, because of our location in Montgomery County here, we border Uh, West Philadelphia on one side and then Delaware County on the other side. So um, the FCC requires the radio signals to to die at at the borders there, you know, for the county and and really come down. And so we have with the 800 system in that it it doesn't work all the time inside. We get bonked a lot inside buildings, certain buildings. So we use two radios. Use the 800 system for our dispatch and, and our on-scene stuff, and then for operations, we switch over to our UHF uh, radio system.
0: Okay. Um,
1: you know, uh, one of the things that I you know, a lesson learned is, is you know, we do need to we, we need to go to the 800 system and use one radio. Um, you know, Sean, it appears he took off his glove to to you know call the Mayday. Uh, where if he had the 800 radio, he could have. Press the button and it would have opened up automatically for
0: one. Oh, it's a single button. Okay, that's right. The single button trigger for the mayday.
1: Yeah, and and so, you know, he he had the UHF uh, radio and he, you know he called the mayday, told us where he was, who it was, and then we didn't, you know, we didn't hear from him. Um, and and we made a pretty quick uh, rescue of him. But you know, one of the big things is the communication. We. We need to find out where those buildings are that aren't, um, that where we don't get reception and then require them to put in bi-directional amplified systems, uh, which we uh, put a new um, code together for that. And uh, we're making buildings that them in. And we've been stamping it for, stamping plans for a couple of years here, but we really didn't know, no one quite knew how that field was going with the BDAs and, uh, it, it, it's really it's what's got to be done and, and, we're, and we're doing it so, so we've learned, learned that communications um, accountability uh, I don't know that that was our strongest suit that night uh, but we did get that taken care of uh, that once we pulled everybody out we put people in teams and uh, we had just switched to a new accountability system on July 1st the Passport accountability system so it was new to everyone okay um although we you know we had a couple months training with it
0: is that the chief is that the digital or is it the passport tags on a on a board velcro board and all and all
1: it's it's the passport tags on the velcro okay
0: that's what my department had okay
1: and uh it's it's a great great system it works it does work it's it's the only system i've seen that worked in my 44 years of fire service here,
0: so. That's fine. well, and it's not digital, right? You know, I live in the digital world, you live in a digital world in your role, and sometimes analog just works, right? Until until it's refined to where you have telemetry with people and their vitals and where they're at in the building with GPS. And I know that's in de- it's being developed, there may be something out there now with it, you know, but um, in the in the interim, sometimes sim- simple is effective, right?
1: Right, and, and you know, I mean, w- with that, it makes people come to the command post, the stage, so they're not freelancing all over the
0: place,
1: mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is important because you don't want people just walking all over, not knowing what they're doing, right? And uh, so, you know, we we've been trying to, re- you know, we've reviewed all RSOPs, looking at all that stuff to see what we could do better, uh, and we have a uh, in the we had uh, Deputy Chief Jim Smith and Deputy Chief. Uh, they'll show are doing an after-action report for us, an independent one other than NIOSH. Right. We're waiting on, the, on that to return. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see what's in that. That's going to be, you know, tell us where we need to improve as well as we'll get the NIOSH report. Um, and that, that'll also uh, show us areas where we're going to need to improve. And um, I hope, you know, that... that them and do the right thing and follow those, you know, we can't take those reports as shots against us. It's going to help us to become a better department. Sure. And we we had just, we also just finished putting together a strategic plan for the department to help, you know, lead it into the future. So the things I think we'll get back from those two reports are probably in our strategic plan. We've recognized we need to do things better and, uh, you know, we'll go from there.
0: Oh, most, most definitely. And, uh, you know, I think some of the things you've already said to listen some of the, the chief officers and the firefighters that are listening, they're like, okay, yeah, we know we've got some communication dead spots, dead zones in our jurisdiction, or we know we have struggles in certain buildings. And so that'll just hopefully inspire people to have a plan B have some alternative methods just right now, you know, just listening to what you're saying on, on those, those things an accountability system, if they don't have one right now, or if they have one, make sure they're using it. Um, I want to ask you in a minute about NIOSH and, and when they came and, you know, how that, how the, what their approach was, how that worked as it is in dealing with that as a chief officer, but what was the time from when Sean called a mayday to when he was pulled from a building? Do you have the, uh, an idea of how long it took? I'm I just, believe- cu- I'm just personally curious. Cause I have a feeling it's go ahead.
1: I, I, I believe it was like 10 minutes. Okay. We got them in there and got them out. Um,
0: so. and it just I mean, I remember reading an article back when I was on the job that rapid intervention isn't rapid. It's not the resources required to effectively do it. And again, this was a residential property, supposed to say a big box or whatnot. And even that it's still challenging.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we're going up into an attic here and, you know, these older homes here in Pennsylvania, the stairs get real tight going up to the attic. So. Um, you know, we were fortunate. We had a couple of people in there fighting the fire and helping out. we were able to get Sean and get them down to the rip team. So we got them out right away.
0: Now, how, how did, um, how did that go? Um, when they, when they come out, how, what would, what would, I mean, and I know they don't just come out for line of duty deaths, but they will come out. I think for any line of duty death, they may come out for some injuries or, you know, an untoward event that happened, uh, it happens for department, but, um, how did that go tell us tell, share with, with us how that went
1: so that's all based mostly been done online you know with COVID, oh. not allowed to uh, travel right now oh um so you know we've been speaking on the phone email um you know they got a secure uh, database where, where you can send you know the reports and uh, autopsy and all that stuff for them and so those those uh the NIOS reports are ongoing still they haven't they haven't completed right right and, and they're a little behind um so uh you know hopefully hopefully within the next six six to eight months they'll have that completed and we'll be able to hear you know, from them
0: well i know for, i know from my time visiting you a couple of times over the years um to to teach uh you're on a pretty tight ship and so i imagine NIOS is going to ask for a lot of documentation they're going to want your SOPs your SOGs His records, his probably his PPE records. Um, What were what were like? uh, And without going exhaustively through the list, but what were some of the key items that when they asked for it, kind of, you know, were like, oh man, do we have this? Or yeah, we definitely have it. We're good to go. What were some of the items that were were asked that you either one definitely had, or two, were like, uh oh, you know, do we have good documentation?
1: So uh, the SOPs, SOGs. you know, we, we have them. Uh we, we had everything they asked
0: for. Oh great.
1: So that, that wasn't an issue. I mean, you know, our, our SOPs um probably need to be looked at. And I was actually just getting a committee together to look at the SOPs and, and go through them all because you know, they're they're dated and um you know, t- it takes time to, to do that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, and it does. Unfortunately I don't have a deputy chief here to help me with that stuff, so um we, uh, they, they need to be reviewed again, but
0: we, right. sent
1: them all that we sent them the autopsy stuff, the uh, you know, the, those things that you were mentioning. Um, and they have a whole list that they send out to you, and, and then pictures, um, uh, any kind of, uh, you know, we had some helmet cam.
0: Oh, wow, okay,
1: which helped, uh, from the firefighters. Uh, so we sent them all that stuff. So we, 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 uh, we're pretty good with, with
0: the information. No, that's outstanding. That's good to hear that because mm-hmm. I, I know for some departments listing they're, they're probably running through their head, all the things that they might be asked for during something like this. And it's a good opportunity to take a look at those now before something untoward happens. And then you're scrambling to put it all together. And again, not everyone has a good fortune of being as well organized as Laura Marion was with everything. And then, yeah, like, as you admitted, there's still always room for improvement. There always is. I mean, SOG review dates and things like that. They come, they go, everybody's busy, but uh, this just kind of, you know, puts, puts things into perspective. So one line of duty death is more than any chief should have to go through in, in his career. Any department should have to go through in his career. You're a resilient professional department yet, what, three weeks later, a second land of duty death happened. So kind of tell that story a little bit.
1: So uh, we, were, we were dispatched to assist the state police up on um, the Schuylkill Expressway, I-76, which is a limited access highway. Um, it's a very tight highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's dangerous up there. I mean, just- what was the
0: interstate again? seventy six
1: interstate seventy six yeah uh
0: i tro- i drove that it is a tight freeway
1: so um we went up there to assist the police uh state police and and uh you know tommy went up there he parked the apparatus and uh the apparatus. you know he pulled straight in instead of putting it in a blocking position um and that was that was a mistake on our part but uh this woman that came down the highway, she had been stopped three times prior to that by police. Um, she thought she was in New Jersey. Uh, her, her car was in just such poor shape you know, that they put her up on manslaughter charges. Uh, brakes weren't working. And, and how she got, she was driving the shoulder for, for quite some time. Uh, and how she got between the jersey barrier and the the apparatus. I mean, she had maybe one inch on each side, but she she was able to do it. Um, (sighs) Plowed into, you know, we had guys jumping all over, uh, plowed into into three of them. Um, Two younger uh, firefighters were seriously injured. Um, They're both back, as of today, um, they're, they're both back in service. Which, which is great to hear. And then, unfortunately, Tommy uh, Royce lost his life. And he was probably thrown about 40 feet in the air. Oh. And he, he was thrown, he, he hit the state trooper, which knocked you know the state trooper down and, and injured him, as well as uh, gave a concussion. Um, you know, the trial for that's ongoing now. Um, they just had a suppression hearing, and, and uh, things are being held, so uh, it, it's good. But... Um, you know the, the the importance of going up on these highways and, and you know we probably weren't good at um, taking the proper training the, the traffic incident management training uh taking it as as, as real as we should have um, and, and doing it more often than we did uh, but uh, it's important to, to do that uh, my, you know I, I think it ought to be mandatory every year. You ought to be reviewing that, Um, just because you're up there and people are flying by.
0: They're just
1: with phones and every other thing, um, you know. So, uh, like I said, unfortunately, Tommy was a was a long time volunteer here with our department before going career. Uh, He went over. He actually worked at a different station here in Long Island. He worked at Union Fire Association, but. He was still in the shift over at Belmont Hills. For a guy who was on vacation that night, and uh, yeah, I went up in the expressway there. Unfortunately, he was hit by this woman and, and, uh, and
0: killed. So um, I want you to talk, share a little bit about Tommy, who he was, and and but uh, two quick questions first. What kind of incident were they, you said it was a um, trooper assist? What what was the what was the was it a motor vehicle collision that you responded? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, there was an accident up there that we responded up to.
0: Okay. So it was, a,
1: both both DUIs.
0: Oh, lovely. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that, so is that, and then um, the oh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, I know I wanted to ask you the second second question. Um, well, tell us about Tommy. Tell All us right. about Tommy a little bit.
1: Tommy was a big guy, you know. Uh, always had a smile on his face. He was just uh, a, a lot of fun to be around. You know, would we, do any drop, drop anything, you know, at, at, in a minute to, to help you out if you needed help. And um, was always helping out the junior members. Uh, you know, we used to play softball. We had a, a softball league here within the department, and he played for the. He was a catcher and, and you know, talk about a guy block the plate. You you, you try and, the floor and get hit off him and go flying ten feet the other way. You know? But he was just just a wonderful guy, great you know, father of three kids. Um, you know, would would take the shirt off his back for Just a, a wonderful guy to be around. I, I knew Tommy, you know, a lot longer than Sean uh, actually, but uh, real real great guy to be around.
0: Man, so this happens at the end of July. You've already, you're already dealing with the one that happened on July 4th. So this clearly would test anyone's emotional resilience and leadership. And tell me how, how did you cope chief? I mean, how did you, how did you cope? I mean, yeah.
1: I, I, well, I was on vacation when this happened down at the, down the shore in Seattle city, New Jersey. And, uh, I got a call at three thirty in the morning from dispatch stating stating that uh, I had three of my guys down unconscious on i seventy six, and like I said, it was three thirty in the morning. And, you know, and actually trying to wake myself up, and and uh, I was getting ready for home the next day. And, and you know, when I got the call, and uh, I think I called the dispatch back three or four times just to make sure <laughs> this was true. You know,
0: and, and, oh, see, right. You
1: know, and you, you hear you got. Three or four year guys laying on the highway unconscious—it just—it shakes you. And um, and then, like you said, you know, just going through uh, the first line of duty death—you know—we were starting to get on the mend a little. And then, boom! This this you know, just a real punch in the gut. And, um, so I responded up immediately uh, on my way up. Um, I just got up to the that where the scene was when I got the call that Tommy had passed away. That, that but, uh, it, well, I, I guess, you know, we, how do you cope? But I knew I, I had to lead the department. Right. And I had to stay strong for them guys. And, and, you know, I guess, you know, my, my Marine Corps training, uh, from the old days area, you know, you know, don't let that stuff try and get to you. And although, you know, I had my moments, you know, I think I woke up at three 30 in the morning for probably two months, you know, uh, so you know, you, you cry. Um, I, you know, not publicly. I, I tried not to, but uh, well, it's a, it's okay if you pitches.
0: did. You know that, right? I know Marine yep. Corps and everything. It's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, uh, you know, I I had my moments. I was fortunate that I was able to uh, lean on some other chiefs from the area who who really uh, took care of me and and uh, called me every day and. Uh, you know, at the dinner and, and those kinds of things. Um, and then, you know, the, the National Fire, Firefighters Foundation uh, has been incredible through both of those.
0: Uh, First class organization there.
1: It is. It really is. And, and uh, I, I've joined the, the uh, chief the chief um, section of that to, to help other chiefs who go through these kinds of things. Um, I was actually supposed to Go to training on the 23rd, but I'm starting my new job the 21st, so I didn't think I should leave that soon.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll get to we'll get to that. Near yeah, early. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they they were wonderful to deal with, and, and uh, the international, you know, fire chief conference was going on uh, that week, and so I I wasn't going to go, but then I said, you know what, it's probably you should probably get out of here for a little. You know, I had uh, some, some great people here that were that were. Keeping things in order and getting you know, you know, to get the memorial service together and that kind of stuff. Um, so I, you know, I trusted them with that, and, and uh, unfortunately, we'd just been through it, so we the paperwork was still fresh of uh, what we needed to do. Um, you know, the school district here in Long Range came through, for us big time, allowing us to use their uh, auditorium.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: For both of them, and and uh, it. Uh, it you know you I don't know I prayed a lot,
0: uh, yeah,
1: I, I got me through it, so um and, and well
0: i mean it's a it's a testament to your character and yeah you know, all the things, and again i I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I think just being a little vulnerable and being able to share some of that, it's okay for us in the fire service that you know so those of us that spent a career in it, those of us still in it, um those of us seek thinking to go into it um it's, it's okay, right? It's, it's okay to express Absolutely. that emotion. It's okay to share that because lesser departments, and I've read, read and heard lesser departments can be torn apart by a line of duty death. There's blame, people get angry, there's, it turns into, I mean, it, it adds an already difficult, catastrophic situation and makes it worse. And it takes good leader to not let that happen, to keep, keep everybody together, to support each other to, you know, you drew from fellow chiefs, you drew from the community. It sounds like, you know, the entire lower Marion and Pennsylvania fire community came to, well, that whole region came together to, to be there for you and your department. But, you know, you, you had to hold it together for everybody. And I don't mean emotionally, I mean, hold it together so that there wasn't, um, the anger that could spill over from something like this. Right.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, you say the region, they did come through because after both line of duty deaths, you know, I put those companies out of service for a good two three weeks, um, and and you know, we had fire companies from the whole area here region just stepping up to fill in for us and, and run calls for us. I it
0: was amazing. That's fantastic.
1: True, and, and you know, it, it you know, we're still healing from these things. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it's uh, it's taken time. There's people still who you know who are emotionally uh, struggling with this. Um, and it, and it is very emotional. Um, and you do, you, you know, you, you do start looking at things, you know, what could I have done better? What could I have done this? Could I have done that? Uh, and you just can't, you know, you can't, you can't let that tear the department up. And, and, you know, I, I did my best thing. You know, I stopped in every day. I think there was a, a, a Facebook post from a guy, uh, one of the firefighters and I said, you know, McGarvey, he's a man of steel. And, uh, I might, have, I might have looked like that on the outside but it wasn't
0: so much on the inside no and how could you be right i mean but you're 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 fulfilling your role right you're calling i call it a mm-hmm. calling you know as a chief officer um, during an incredibly difficult time and and uh, your department will be become better for it ultimately they they were good to begin with and they'll become even better and for the listeners so you know lower Marion um, is the jurisdiction lower Marion township but it's comprised of how many chiefs Six. Basically, volunteer combination companies.
1: Yeah, there's actually seven. There's also Narvis, which is in the middle, of us, but they, they cover a large portion of our township. So, there's seven volunteer fire companies that fall under the umbrella of the Lomane Fire Department, um, and they each have their own chiefs and, and you know, chain of command.
0: And you're the you're like the overarching chief that helps keep them all together and on the same page they have some autonomy but you're all considered the lower marion township fire department with the company those seven companies right yes yes okay um, so. yeah it's a unique structure for those of us that came from a fire district or pure volunteer or big city career it's 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 unique i remember you sharing that with me when i was out there so i just to kind of put into perspective you know the, the organizational um uh, chart of the of of the entity there so what uh, looking at this? What other what other things stand out uh, with either incident with Sean with Tommy? What other what other things stand out as far as the good that happened with with, with the department um, during that time? And then any other any other lessons that you think the viewers the listeners should know um, so that one. So, so what, so two part, the good, the good things that happened, you know, some of the things that stood out in your mind, how people pitched in and came together during a difficult time. And I know you mentioned some of them, but if there's others that you'd like to share and then to to everyone listening, what are some key things that you would recommend or advise? Not only if they, God forbid that they were to have a line of duty death, but what should they be doing now to, to prevent them, to, to prevent that line of duty death? Um, from even occurring in the first place so kind of two-parter there
1: oh you know the good is like i said um you know it's definitely brought our department closer to each other um you know instead of having these seven independent companies that we've learned to to rely on each other um and and it's kind of maybe broken down some of those walls you know um of the independence and 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 you know the structure the way that this department is structured and, and it, it needs to more of that needs to occur as this department goes forward um you know again just the, the outpouring of response from the community you know helping us out uh, you know we were bringing the bodies back The people just lined the roads you know waving flags and thank you and it was really incredible and then um you know the, the the things that people need to learn is, is complacency. You know, you, you, you just can't allow yourself to become complacent on this job, I and mean, you've got to be ready for everything and anything at all times. And and you know, I know we go to fire alarm after fire alarm, after mm-hmm. fire alarm and, and you know, but you never know what can happen. It's just like the the accident there. You know, they're up that they're up that expressway three or four times a day. You know. Um, I, you know, it, it becomes complacent, but you just can't allow yourself to do that. Um, and we uh, we we've got to stay, you know, stay on, stay
0: at all times. So, so even so a good a good thing to think about, and it's hard, right? Routine, even routine, isn't routine. No, it's not. You and know, that, and that you know, you, you're following those those guidelines, those procedures for a reason. You know what we joke about? Oh, another BS call, another alarm sounding it could be the, that could be the one time. It's the real thing. I tried to instill that with my crews too, that yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, we still got to turn out for an alarm sounding, because it might not be that when we get there right And, and those, those little things and just having it from the, from the bottom up, top down understanding that, yeah, it may take a little extra effort, but you just don't know downstream when you get there, how it could, you know, save your life or even, even an injury, a, a career ending injury is, is still traumatic. So
1: you know, you know, I, I think in the fire service here we're you know, we don't like change. And god god forbid we use that word. And uh gotta be open to change. We have <laughs> open to change and and, and you know, it's, um if we if we don't then, then we're all gonna hurt ourselves. Right. We tried to push that, you know, here that, to be open for change and and because things will change, you know, once I'm gone and, and uh a new chief comes on board and, and, and when these reports come out, you know, it's gonna be forced upon us to change certain things. And they, you know, they've gotta welcome that and be open to it. Uh, that's the only way you're gonna be able to go for it.
0: Well, speaking of change, uh, there's there, there's a significant change coming in your life shortly. In fact, I think by, you said Friday, um, at least that will be your, your last day with the, as the chief of Lower Marion Township Fire Department. Um, But uh, you have some news that I know everybody who knows you knows about, but I don't think the rest of the fire service community knows, but you're going to be tackling um, with your resilience, your leadership, your character, you're going to be doing something pretty important. What what is that?
1: Oh, uh, I was just recently appointed uh, Pennsylvania State Fire Commissioner by Governor Wolf and um starting up there i'm retiring here on friday and i'm going to start up there on monday so uh, taking a whole weekend off in between and uh, i'm looking forward to to getting up to harrisburg there and and, uh you know trying to to institute the change that we need and you know pennsylvania is such a diverse uh state you know there's no one good thing for any no any region in in the commonwealth here And, and so it's going to be challenging but uh you know, I'm looking forward to it. I, I was, you know, I served on the Senate Resolution Six Commission here a few years ago where we came up with recommendations on how to, uh, you know, try and fix the fire service. And, you know,
0: well, so it wasn't Senate Resolution Resolution Six a, a lot of, to tackle the, the challenges with the uh, volunteer departments as far as recruitment, was that a component of that?
1: Yes, it is. It, it is. And, you know, I was just gonna say, we, the 70s, we had over 300,000 volunteers in Pennsylvania. Today we're down to less than thirty-eight thousand. We and a lot of them, some of them people in that thirty-eight thousand are, uh, for example, one of my guys who who he's here with the township and he volunteers at two other stations. So he's counted three times, you know. Oh wow!
0: You know, well, that'll be you know what, once you once you get settled in into your new position. Um, we'll have you come back and talk about the challenges with that, because a number like that you're down, ten, you're down to 10% of what it once once was back what you said in the seventies. Right. And mm-hmm. so that, that I think would be an interesting conversation for the States that are very heavy, like Pennsylvania um, in relying on volunteers for their fire service, but that we can, we can do that in another day, but yeah. what, uh, what's some of what's some of your vision, your ideas, and, and some immediate goals um, as you get situated into your new position as the commissioner?
1: Well, the, the um, you know, naturally recruitment retention. Um, that, that came out of the SR6. And, and really, the, you know, the, the legislature has adopted a lot of recommendations, but the, trying to get the rest of those recommendations adopted is, is one of my you know, key goals. Um, looking at, you know, looking at ways that we can attract more volunteers uh, and keep the volunteers in the fire service here, as well as with EMS. I mean, EMS is hurting big time as well, and uh, they were a big uh, component of the SR6 as well. And trying to get them direct pay from the insurance companies uh, right. would, would help them go a long way because they're hurting probably worse than the fire services. And, um, you know, we, we we they're saving lives every day, just you know, like the fire companies, but but they're they're truly out there a lot more than we are. People know that there's more EMS calls than there are fire calls,
0: and mm-hmm.
1: so we've got to get them funded properly. Um, you know, the, the governor is looking for ideas and, and ways that we can like I can do things and uh, want to rely on the people out here and look to look to be a commissioner for all the fire folks. You know, not just the career side, not just the volunteer side the company, but for everyone and to represent everyone because um, it's that important. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get started.
0: Well, I think you will uh, do an amazing job. I know I've been privileged to work with you on occasion over the past few years. And, and I know we had, this, we had this conversation scheduled before you were uh, appointed that position. So it's just kind of as fortunate that we're able to take a couple tragic, you know, ins- instances in your department, share with others the lessons you've learned um, some things that other people can carry with them so that they can improve their departments. And if they happen to have something as tragic, uh, like a lot happened to, to their organization, to just you know seek you out as a role model on how to cope with it, how to lead during an incredibly difficult time. I mean, I can only imagine one, much less two within three weeks. So um, I commend your resilience, your, your leadership. Um, I'm glad to call you a friend. And I wish you nothing but success in your new role and, and look forward to having you come back. And I think it'd be a good conversation to talk about the state of the volunteer fire service, especially from the Pennsylvania perspective. So we'll have you come back to me, you know, after you get settled in, you're going to have your hands, you're going to have your yeah. hands, you're going to have your hands full for a while. Yeah.
1: It's, 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 uh, I did go up there last week and visit with the staff. And, uh, we got a great staff up there. So
0: Do you, uh long. Before we before we wrap up, is there anything else from July of last year till now that I may not have asked you that, that you'd like to share with um, the listeners?
1: Yeah, you know, like I said, the, the complacency thing, you can't become complacent on this job. You can never be too safe. Um, you know, when you're up on those highways, always look for for a second means of well, a second way out, you know, if some god forbid a car does come that way. And make sure. You know you're looking over that jersey barrier so you, you see if if you can jump over it and you know because some of those areas it's a 40 foot fall so some of it you're, you're right there on the ground but you know you, you need to really look at the whole scene and, and do those do those little things that, that you know going to protect you and, and don't don't skip over them it's just that important you know we, we want to see our fire our firefighters come back home safely and go back to their families unfortunately we have two that didn't uh, something that you
0: know will stay with me forever yeah well thanks for thanks for spending time um i'll call you chief for now but on our next visit i'll be calling you the commissioner
1: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> still pitching myself <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like i said it, it, it's going to be a good thing
0: well pennsylvania's lucky to have you uh, chief charles mcgarvey um i'm just I'm proud to know you, and uh, thanks. I know you're busy now, but thanks for taking time to spend a little bit of your day uh, with me and to share your story with the the broader fire service community.
1: Absolutely, Tom. It's been a pleasure, and uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing each other. And I right hope so. And uh, looking at looking at looking at uh, how we're going to do uh, NIFRS reporting and as we go forward. So, all
0: right, sir. Well, well, thank you, and uh, I look forward to uh, when we can be uh, meet in person again someday.
1: Great. All right. Take care. Stay safe,
0: Bill. All right. Let's we'll see you, Chaz. All right.